I get emails every day from listeners in our community. And once in a while, I just wish I could hit reply all to all of you listening because the conversations would end up being valuable to many of you. On this episode, my reply all responses to listener questions and dialogue from the past several months. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 360. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. I'm so glad you joined in for today's conversation. If you're listening for the first time, this is going to be a little different than normal. Usually we have a Q&A show the first Monday of every month, which we did last week. As I was preparing for that conversation with Bonnie last week, I realized two things. I realized this is episode 360. What a nice round number, literally, in mathematics, right? 360 degree feedback, circles. And then I was also struck by how many email conversations I'd been having over the last few months that the dialogue had emerged to something that I thought would be really valuable for many of you listening on some of the resources I was recommending and also some of the thoughts that were coming out of those email conversations. And so today, if I could hit reply all to all of you, here would be some of the things I would have said from some of the recent conversations. So let's jump right in and let's start of course, with Socrates. Where else would we start, right? So Socrates said over 2,000 years ago that the beginning of wisdom is the definition of terms. Well, this is really important in what we do in talking about leadership, because if we can define the terms well, then we can figure out what it is we're talking about. Chris emailed me recently and asked about these distinctions between the words management leadership, coaching, training, and mentoring, and was curious if I had thoughts on the distinctions between these. Chris, fabulous question. In fact, I aired an episode on this years ago. It's one of the first episodes. Way back on episode four, I talked about what is coaching and why it's different from some of the other development tools. And so you can go back and listen to that original conversation if you want. My thinking's evolved a little bit since then. Of course, things are always changing and I'm learning and, and, and failing to. And so here's my current thinking on this. And some of this has come out in, in, in our few of our recent conversations and guests. So first of all, let, let's take the first two management and leadership. That's the dichotomy I get asked about most often is what is the distinction between those two words. And as you've heard me say on the show before, I do not view these words as good or bad. Often leadership is framed as good. Management is framed as bad. Leaders do things right. Uh, or managers do things right. Leaders do the right things is something you've probably heard before, implying that management isn't the right way to do something or approach something. And I just don't see it that way at all. Neither do a lot of the researchers out there who look at this. Uh, and I, the way I have always looked at leadership and management is leadership is where are you going? Management is the how to get there. Now, here's where my thinking has changed on this a bit over the last few years is really bringing those down to another couple of words that I think are really helpful for us. And John Cotter, who's been on the show before, has really influenced some of my thinking on this, as well as Tom Henschel, my pal, who's uh, framed this well, I think. 
And leadership is really how we handle change. That's the where we're going, right? We are all tasked with that just about every day in our organizations, in our roles. In some of our roles, we're asked to do that a lot, and some of us are asked to do that very little, depending on the role and the position. But to some extent, we are all navigating change. That is a question that leadership attempts to answer. Management is how do you handle complexity? And this thinking comes right from John Cotter, this distinction between change and complexity. Management starts to answer that question of as things get complex as the organization grows, as you have more people involved, as you have more customers, how do you handle that? And management is what is answering that question, or at least attempting to answer that question. So that's how I see those two as being distinct. Now, here's the thing, is most of us need to do both regularly. I know I do both of those pretty much every day in leading the Coaching for Leaders community in our academy. There are questions of leadership that come up daily. There are questions of management that come up daily. And most of the people I know in organizations are handling some aspect of both of these regularly. So the question is not so much, are you handling leadership or management? The question is, how much are you handling on a regular basis? For many of us, as we become more senior and more experienced in our organizations, we tend to do more leadership. We tend to do a little bit less management, but that's very dependent on organization and where the life cycle is of your organization and corporation and uh, and what's happening in your industry. You may find yourself leading a lot in a organization that has many, many years of success, and you may find yourself managing in a very small organization that's needing to start to handle complexity. So that's how I see those two as distinct, Chris, and how some of the other thinkers out there see them as distinct. Now, what and and how is that different than coaching? Coaching, as I view it, is a skill set. And coaching comes from the word coach, the in the good old days, the horse-drawn coaches, right? You know, you would take a coach. The horses would take you from one place to the other. That's where the word originates. And that's really, I think, how I see coaching still today and how many of the coaches I know see coaching. Coaching is about getting from one place to the other. It is an act of service. It is something that if we do well, we help the other person to identify where they are, where they are going, and we have a helpful process to get them from point A to point B. And if that's done well, and if we use good intention and good question asking, then we are getting from point A to point B, hopefully a lot faster and with a lot less pain and more efficiently than we would be if we were not using coaching. So coaching for me is just an act of service. It's, it's getting from one place to the other that's a benefit to that person. Training is a transfer of knowledge. And normally, it's a transfer of knowledge from someone who has more experience or potentially more insight to transfer that knowledge in some way that's meaningful to someone who would benefit from that knowledge. And having been in the training industry now for 15 some years, I've certainly been involved in a lot of situations of doing that. It is super helpful, especially if you are in a situation where someone is handling something for the very first time or changing roles or changing responsibilities. There is an aspect of training that almost all of us need to do and should do on a regular basis, not only for ourselves, but also in training 
others. Uh, but it is uh, distinct from coaching in that training often has a very clear process. There's a very clear piece of knowledge that needs to be learned. There's a process. There's a procedure. Coaching, not necessarily. There may be a clear answer, but more often coaching is about the questions. Training is about the answers to the questions. And both are valuable depending on the situation you're in. And then finally, mentoring. Mentoring is really about wisdom and and helping to uh, illuminate wisdom and to be transparent with wisdom. And so wisdom comes from experience for most people that I know, and certainly the mentoring I've benefited from over the years. And so mentoring is, are we willing to provide experience and insight to others who would benefit from it? And then I think equally important, are we willing to listen to others and receive mentoring ourselves. And in a lot of organizations, especially if an organization of any size, there are oftentimes formal mentoring programs. And the assumption is that if you are a mentor, uh, you are providing that wisdom and insight to the mentee, which is true, but it doesn't end there, at least not as far as I'm concerned. That's just the starting point. The mentor should be getting as much insight and wisdom from the mentee. In fact, we should probably change those words. <laughs> if I had my way, we'd, we'd maybe use a different term because mentoring should be a two-way street. The, the term reverse mentoring became popular a few years ago. Of um, if, if, I'm, if I'm the quote-unquote mentor, I should be learning and listening for as much wisdom and perspective and insight from the person I'm mentoring as they are listening to me. That happens in many, many conversations um, that I'm privileged to be a part of in our academy members, of them learning from each other. And I think one of the things that if we can get our minds thinking this way of uh, what, what can I learn from this person, whoever that person is in our lives and in our business communities, even if it's someone that may have a very different experience than you do or may view the world in a very different way of what can you learn from them? What's one thing you can take away? So Chris, that's how I see the distinctions between management, leadership, coaching, training, and mentoring. Now, if you really want to do a deep dive on this, I would suggest listening also to episode 249, How to Succeed with Leadership and Management. Uh, Ryan actually wrote in recently and said, hey, you know, would you ever think about having John Cotter come on the show and talk about the distinction between leadership and management? Well, he already did, essentially. So that's on episode 249. And you'll hear in that conversation, not only the distinctions between leadership and management, but you're also going to hear the challenge that organizations now have, especially mature organizations, of how do they stay innovative? Because that is a big challenge that many mature organizations that have had success now need to handle, is they've gotten really good at management, handling the complexity, but they've gotten not so good often at doing what they did early on in the life cycle of their organization, which is coming up with new ideas, being innovative. And Cotter says, hey, we need to be great at both or at least good at doing both in our organizations. And so if you're looking for a way to start to think about how to balance that either to do a better job of handling change and innovation or to do a better job of putting in the systems and the processes and the procedures to handle complexity. Episode 249 is definitely a great place to start. Now, here's another uh, question I get very regularly. One of them came in from Blair recently. He said, you know, what's a great system for productivity? 
What do you recommend? Well, there's a couple of systems out there that I would uh, highly recommend. Uh, One of them, and probably the number one that I recommend and use myself, is Getting Things Done by David Allen. Uh, David Allen has been the seminal thinker on productivity for probably the last 10, 15 years now in in the business world and certainly in many organizations. I know many people who use David Allen's system. If you're not familiar with it and you're looking for a starting point for how you handle productivity in a system where you've got things organized in your life of getting things done and figuring out what's next and also organizing your time and your day and answering some of the key questions that help you to stay productive, highly recommend listening to or reading David Allen's book called Getting Things Done. Uh, He was also on episode 184, which will give you a bit of an insight into the system, although we spent more time answering questions on that episode when he was on. But I think that's a wonderful starting point for the systems behind what you can do in order to be more productive. And mindset, I really love the work of Cal Newport, who was on episode 233. Cal Newport wrote a book called Deep Work, It is one of the books that comes up regularly in conversations with our Academy members, uh, listeners who write in, people who hear that episode and write in and say how it's really changed a lot of their thinking. You recently heard uh, Jeff Phipps talk about it on the Saturday cast of how that book changed a lot of his thinking on just how he handles productivity and doing deep work. And Newport's just really, really brilliant, not only in his book, but also in that interview of getting us to think about how do we answer that question of really doing the deep work that many of us in our roles need to do to think and handle strategic questions, and yet in a world that has a ton of interruptions, where we're handling email for hours a day, where we're getting interrupted by uh, instant messages and social media and all the things going around, and Newport has really got some great practices around that. So the combination of the two, getting things done by David Allen, deep work by Cal Newport, solid productivity systems, Blair, that I think if you dive into even a little bit, it's really going to not only get you some good systems, but it really change your mindset. Now, I am always asked when this question comes in, well, I shouldn't say always, but a lot of the time I'm also asked, what do you recommend as far as apps, tools, software, all those things. Um, And I will say, I'll give you the answer to that question, but that's really the tactical question. First and foremost is figure out what's important, figure out your overall system, do what my friend Tim Stringer calls holistic productivity. Look at the big picture first, make some decisions on what's important to you and your values and what are the big buckets. And then once you get into the tactical execution, that's the time to like figure out, okay, you know, what's the software I may want to use or what's the planner I may want to use. So I have a few suggestions. I think there's three. If you're a software person and you're looking for a great app around productivity, there's three that you should definitely check out and look at two of them. The first two are Todoist and Things. Now, in full disclosure, I have not used either of these apps personally. However, I have heard so many good things from so many people that I've worked with over the years who have used these apps very successfully. My friend Tim Stringer, who runs LearnOmniFocus.com, recommends these apps as well. It is a good starting point if you're looking for a good digital system that syncs between lots of devices. Uh, one of the reasons these two are specifically good is they work both on PC, Mac, iOS, Android, whatever platform you're on, 
those are going to work for you. The third one is one I only recommend if you're a Mac person or you use uh, iPhone or iPad primarily or heavily, and that would be OmniFocus. OmniFocus is the system I use because I'm mostly a Mac iOS-based person, and that's also a very, very powerful system. It's probably the most powerful of the three, but it also has more complexity to it too. Very powerful if you uh, if you learn how to use it and leverage it. And by the way, for those of you out there who are OmniFocus users like me, my friend Tim has a site called LearnOmniFocus.com. It is a fabulous resource for you if you are an OmniFocus user. So those are the three apps that I'd recommend looking into. You're going to find one of those three to be right for you, Todoist, Things, or OmniFocus. Now, if you are a paper-based person, this is becoming more popular. This is surprising to me because in a digital world, I've just been under the assumption for so long that you know we're just going to keep getting more and more digital, that productivity systems are going to move more and more digital. And clearly, the trend from, not from me, but from our academy members and listening in our group discussions is that many, many people are taking a step back, at least on their productivity systems, and going back to pen and paper and writing things out. And I, I have seen it enough times now, even though I'm not doing that myself, that I, I really see the value in doing that, of getting off the phone, getting off the computer, and writing out what's important for the day for you. And if that is appealing to you right now, and if you're the kind of person, like a lot of us, that gets bombarded by a lot on the computer and social media and all the things I was mentioning, there's some great paper planners out there. And one of them that I've been hearing great things about from a number of our Academy members is the Full Focus Planner from Michael Hyatt's organization. So if you're looking for a paper planner that's fairly straightforward, simple, it's got a good process, and is paper-based, Full Focus Planner would be one I'd definitely check out. So I hope you'll find something in there, Blair, that'll be helpful to you, not only on the philosophy, but on the tactical steps. Let's see, Jake and I were exchanging some emails about making a career change and thinking about the big picture stuff. And I don't know what made me think about it, but as we were exchanging messages, I couldn't help but mention the Steve Jobs commencement address from the 2005 Stanford commencement. If you haven't listened to this before, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. I think it's really worth listening to because I don't know, maybe I'm just getting old. (laughs) Or maybe it's having kids now, or uh, I don't know what it is, or having watched it a few times, but I just really come back to so much of his humility and wisdom that he said in that talk. And, And Steve Jobs was not someone who was known for always being the most humble person, but in that talk, he really did step back and had some incredible insights on what's most important about how we live our lives and how he's leveraged it and how he did leverage it in his own career and his success, both personally and professionally. If you're looking for some inspiration on what's important and what's next for you, and you're maybe at that point of a transition, trying to think about what's the right move, I think that's really worth a listen, as is a recent video that I saw from Will Smith. Uh, you may remember, if you've been listening to the show for a bit, Liz Wiseman was on the show a while back on, the, on her book, Rookie Smarts. And one of the messages that Liz had for us in that conversation was the importance of sometimes jumping in and saying yes, even if we're not fully prepared for something. And that happens a lot when we're thinking about careers and transitions. And I saw this great video that Will Smith did 
on how the TV show, The Fresh Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, first launched. It is five minutes. It's fabulous. And I've never seen a better call to action as far as the message of why sometimes you just need to jump in and be ready to do something. I'll save the punchline and the message for you watching the video, but uh, trust me, it'll be worth your five minutes, even if you're not a fan of Will Smith or haven't seen the show. I think you'll find that the lessons from that, so much there from a leadership and a career standpoint that it'd be helpful to you. So check that out. I'll put it in the show notes here. Now, I got a question from Mehdi, which got me thinking about uh, replying all to many of you. Uh, He listened to the episode that I did with Joe Knight, episode 244 on the book Financial Intelligence. And he said it was really helpful to him because he found that that book was really great at taking something that's fairly complex and making it fairly straightforward as far as getting him familiar with some of the key financial terms in organizational life that help you to really get engaged in dialogue and in conversation about financial management. And he was curious if there were other books out there that were really great for non-experts. And specifically, he was looking for a book that would help him with marketing for non-experts, sales for non-experts, and also asked about corporate law. So first of all, if you haven't listened to episode 244 and you want to get savvy on just some of the basic financial terminology that almost every leader should have. That's a great starting point. Reading that book, also highly recommended. Joe Knight has uh, that book, and also there's several other books out there. I've mentioned that recently on the show. Here's how I first came across that book was there is a book out there that was published a few years back called The 100 Best Business Books of All Time. And they had a website up. I'm I'm trying to find the website here, and I can't seem to find it as I'm recording this, so I'll see if I can find the website. But at the very least, you'll be able to find the book online, and perhaps you can find the list. And what they do is they've divided out in all these different categories of of business, uh, what are the best books out there, the most accessible? They have a whole you know thing they went through to figure out what are the 100 best books. Uh, that that list, if you've not seen it and you're looking for good business reads, is a fabulous list. It's a few years dated now, so the most recent books are not on there. But I highly recommend that as a starting point. Ironically, all of the books I'm going to mention are not on that list of many, but uh, but that's a great book for not only um, that starting point, but other topics that are outside of these three. Now, here are my suggestions for these three areas. Marketing, I love the book Utility by Jay Baer. B-A-E-R is how to spell his last name. And it's Utility, Y-O-U-T-I-L-I-T-Y, Utility, as in how can I put together marketing that is going to be helpful to you, the person consuming the marketing? And this is a big change in marketing that I've seen, and, and certainly a big change online in the last you know, 5, 10, 15 years, is rather than peppering people with advertising messages out there of creating marketing that ultimately helps to serve people and develop relationships with them, your customers and your potential customers, and doing that ultimately serving a marketing uh, serving a marketing function for your organization. Utility is a fabulous book on this. 
And he uses a number of examples from industries of people who, you know, you wouldn't even think of have, have utilized this and been tremendously successful of going out and serving and helping. And by doing that, of helping to grow their businesses in some fabulous, fabulous ways. It's actually the model that I've used for the most part for coaching for leaders over the last seven years as this platform has grown. So Utility by Jay Bear, great marketing book, great place to start. Tons of ideas there, especially if you're trying to start a marketing campaign or get better feedback from your customers, whatever it is, that's a that's a must read. On the law, I'm definitely not a law expert, uh, but I did take a couple of classes in law over the years, and one of them was in my graduate program, and a federal judge was the instructor for the course. And he had a book that he recommended that we all read in the class called Law 101 by Jay Feynman. It was a fabulous book, and I'm looking now that it's in its now fifth edition. I think I read the first edition. Uh, the fifth edition's coming out this month. Uh, if you are looking for a fairly good foundational understanding of law, business law, corporate law, that is a good place to start. Of course, it is no substitute for legal uh, representation and experience. If you're in a legal issue, of course, you need to hire a lawyer and talk to them about it. But if you're just looking for general knowledge around law, Law 101 by Jay Feynman would be the book I'd recommend to get you started there. It's a fascinating read. Lots of great examples in that book. And then your question on sales, and I'll say more about this in a in a later question here, Mehdi, but I would recommend the book, Let's Get Real or Let's Not Play, Transforming the Buyer-Seller Relationship by Mahan Khalsa and Randy Illig. This is probably the best book on sales I've read, Mehdi. There's so many mediocre sales books out there. There's a lot of transactional kinds of books, and there's a lot of junk out there in sales literature, unfortunately. This book for me is just, it's just, it's real, it's transparent, it's relationship focused. And it's also associated with uh, Franklin Covey, I believe, the authors. And Stephen Covey was involved with this book a little bit uh, in some way. I don't remember the exact relationship there, but it's really built on a really powerful system. Kalsa does a marvelous job of talking about what I think sales really is, which is the process of uh, you know building a relationship with someone and helping them to answer a need that they have and doing that in a very genuine and sincere way and doing it in such a way that you build a relationship over time lots of people can sell something once but to build a real successful sales organization and to have customers that come back to you again and again and again and you develop lifelong relationships with this is the book that I'd recommend as a wonderful starting point. Again, it's called Let's Get Real or Let's Not Play by Mahan Khalsa and Randy Illig. A funny name, but I think you'll find the book to be really, really powerful. Speaking of books, I get emails just about every day with Michael Bungay Stanier's name in them. Michael is the author of the Coaching Habit book. He's been here on the podcast uh, twice. He's going to be coming back again soon. The Coaching Habit book is probably my number one recommendation these days to leaders in our academy. I would say the majority of our academy members have read The Coaching Habit. We reference it constantly. I utilize the questions in Michael's book all the time. There's been so many coaching books written in the last 10, 15 years. Many of them are very research-oriented or they're written only for coaches, which is fine if you're a professional coach, but but you know a lot of us in this listening community are not. And so The Coaching Habit by Michael Bungay Stanier is a 
fabulous starting point if you really want to get better at utilizing good coaching, doing what we were talking about earlier, of helping someone to figure out where they are, where they're going, and the process for getting there, and serving them truly. The coaching questions presented in this book are just masterfully done. Uh, Michael and his team just spent you know several years researching, um, distilling down what's key. And the great thing is, is it's practical and you can do it in 10 minutes or less. So two past episodes that I'd recommend in addition to reading the book is episode 237, These Coaching Questions Get Results. Michael talked about not all of the seven questions, but a number of the seven questions from the book. And then on episode 284, Michael was on again talking about the way to stop rescuing people from their problems. I have gotten more emails about that episode than probably anything we've aired in the last year or so. Uh, Episode 284, if you find yourself in the situation where you are rescuing people from their problems, I have found that myself in that situation many times over the years, even recently a few times. I would highly recommend that episode. It goes really hand-in-hand with the questions from the Coaching Habit book. Uh, By the way, if you've read the book and you found it useful, uh, send me a message. I'd love to hear. I'd love to pass it along to Michael. Um, I just I love his work, and I think he's done it in a way that's just so practical and accessible for the rest of us. So now on a big picture, speaking of books, Emery emailed me and said, how do I, you know, can I find out what you're reading? <laughs> can I see what you're reading? How does that work? Uh, well, one way would be to listen to the podcast, Emery, as you hear. I mean, most everything that I read ends up being a conversation or an interview here on the podcast or a mention at least at some point. So that's certainly an insightful way. But if you really want to know and you're curious, uh, go over to coachingforleaders.com slash goodreads. Goodreads is the platform that's linked up with Amazon. Uh, Anyone can set up a free account, especially if you're an Amazon user and use Kindle a lot and you are in the Amazon ecosystem. Goodreads is, I think you have an account, by the way, because it's linked with Amazon. Uh, It's a wonderful place to track your reading. You can track, there's three different sections in that system that you can you can set up a shelf of books of things you want to read, of things you're currently reading, and the things you've just complete or you've completed reading. And if you go to that address, coachingforleaders.com/goodreads, I've made my profile publicly available, so you can see what's on my want to read list. You can see what I'm currently reading. I'm, I'm not always perfectly up to date on exactly what I'm currently reading, but it's fairly up to date. And then you can also see things that I'm finishing reading as I'm doing it, and reading the books and all of that. So uh, so that's a good place to start for a few other suggestions of things that are just on my target list, Emery. So hope that's helpful to you. Uh, also, I had an exchange with Elizabeth about coach training. This is a question I get uh, not often, but often enough that uh, you know I've put together some resources on it. This is very intentionally a show that's named Coaching for Leaders. It's not leadership for coaches, <laughs> right? And so most of our listening audience are not professional coaches. They're not doing executive coaching out there. But we do have a subset of people who are part of our community who uh, do coaching and where we have a larger subset of people who are people who are in organizations and either they are getting more intentional about doing coaching within their organization as leaders of using the coaching skill set, or and or they are actually starting to do some coaching externally, maybe in nonprofit work or maybe in volunteer work, and in some cases actually starting up doing coaching practices and doing a coaching as a side gig. And some people are even turning it into a full-time gig. If that is you and you're looking for some resources on coach training, I would recommend uh, listening to the MemberCast, MemberCast number five. 
and I'll put a link in the show notes. It's my thoughts on just my experience of going through coach training and more importantly, certifications and how coaching certifications work. And there's also information on there if you are thinking about hiring a coach, what are the kinds of things that you should be looking for, at least I think you should be looking for, and what I've used as my litmus test over the years when I've hired coaches. So if you are either curious about coach training, and maybe you're thinking about that for yourself, either in in improving your skill set or maybe doing it in a more formal way, or you're thinking about hiring a coach for whatever reason, I would certainly recommend listening to Membercast 5. That will help you to uh, get even more framework around uh, around coach training and options for folks who are looking at doing coaching professionally. Uh, let's see what is next. Here. Vina asked me about taking over a new team. What are some of the things that she should be thinking about when taking over a new team? Vina, one of the conversations that keeps coming up in the Saturday casts and in our academy conversations is episode 192, How to Create Team Guidelines. Susan Gerke was on that episode. We talked about when you're starting a team for the first time, if that's the case, or maybe you've inherited a team from someone else, how can you go through a pretty straightforward process to establish team guidelines from the beginning? Yeah, it takes time to do. It requires getting everyone together in the room, having a couple of conversations. But if you do it, it makes all the difference in the world. Most teams don't do it, or they do some sanitized version of it. But if you would follow the process in episode 192, I think you will find if you actually go through that process, yeah, it takes a time and investment on the front end, but boy, it saves so much time and frustration in the long run. Uh, at the root of every human conflict is unclear expectations. So if you can start off with a team of setting good guidelines and expectations, it makes things not smooth sailing, but so much more effective than would be if you didn't have that. And then along with that, Vina, I'd recommend episode 349. My man, John Pinero down in Florida, John, hello, uh, was on the first Saturday cast talking about the path to start leading your team. He talked in that conversation about how he used those guidelines from Susan, also how he used several of the other models, including four disciplines of execution, which I mentioned earlier, when he took over management of a new team and how he utilized those guidelines and those processes in order to be his framework for going forward. And if you're looking for not only a path to follow in order to do that successfully, but the inspiration to know that someone else did it. John's a great person to listen to, and I think you'll find his his message really powerful. He's got the results to back it up, but more importantly, he's just a great guy, and he's utilized what he's learned here on the show in order to leverage some great results for himself and most importantly for the organization. Episode 349 is a great place to go for that. Now, finally, I'll wrap it up with a quote. I once in a while get in these conversations on email. I don't remember who uh, uh, messaged me most recently with this of people saying, well, I, could you kind of capture it all in a sentence or a word of, you know, what, what, do, what do you mean by leadership? What's most important in, in philosophy and business and leadership? And, you know, it's so hard to capture in one statement. Uh, that said, back when I was in college, you know, this is going back some 20 years, I was riding around in my red pickup truck and back when cassette tapes were a thing. And I used to listen to Zig Ziglar, the late Zig Ziglar on cassette tapes. And I just, I have always thought his message was really practical. And one of the quotes 
that Ziegler said in so many of his presentations and on his tapes uh, was this one. And I've, I've really built everything around in my career and in business and even personal relationships around this quote. Here it is. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Isn't that great? Because I, I, it's great because that quote for me, it, it's not about us as leaders. It's really not. It's about how do we support others. And if we do a good job of supporting others, we'll be taken care of too. But if we lead only thinking about ourselves, then the world will pass us by. The best leaders I know are thinking a lot about how can they serve others and how can they help others and be a guide for them. So I'll read that again. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Thank you, Zig Ziglar, for that. And that's my hope for you uh, after this episode today. Of maybe you've heard something here today that will get you thinking about something you could do to help others get what they want and they're seeking right now, whether it is through sales or whether it's through marketing, or whether it's through the one-on-one conversation you're about to have with one of your colleagues later today, how can you help them to get what they want? And if you can do that, you are on the path to leadership and so many of the other things we talk about regularly on this podcast. So I hope this was helpful to you. I'd love to hear your feedback. Would you like to hear more of these Reply All episodes? It'd be valuable to you. Uh, And if it wasn't, I'd love to hear that too. So that way it'll uh, help me to know if this would be a good thing to do occasionally going forward. Uh, I'm not going to mention the episodes that I uh, talked about today here at the end since I mentioned so many of them already, but I will have them in this week's leadership guide and, of course, in the show notes. And if you are looking for more, I'd certainly suggest going over to the Coaching for Leaders dot com website set up your free membership and especially if you're just starting in for the first time on this show you'll get access to the 10-day audio course titled 10 ways to empower the people you lead it features so many of the lessons and wisdom you've heard on the show over the last seven years and it's a wonderful starting point to feature in the words of the people who have been on the show some of the best wisdom i think's out there so uh, if you give me 10 minutes a day for 10 days, it'll help you to get the most immediate practical actions to become a better leader. Completely free. Sign up at coachingforleaders.com to get access to that, as well as the member casts I've mentioned, the podcast, episode library, and a ton more. Hey, thank you so much this week to Susan Coach for the kind review you left on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, Susan. Hey, if you've been listening to the show for a bit and you'd like to leave a rating or review, just go over to coachingforleaders.com slash Apple if you're on the Apple platform. Hey, if you're an Overcast user and this episode was helpful, just hit the star button on the episode to recommend it to others. Thank you if you do either. I'll be back next week with our next interview on leadership. I am so excited to keep the conversation going. So many wonderful guests coming in the next few months. Have a great week and see you next Monday. Take care.